0: G'day, everybody, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to X-Ban the Fence podcast.
1: Ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice, and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The, the ghost who walks, the the enemies he- where the
0: Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds you. Hello, we are the Chronicle Chamber team, and this is Expand the Phantom Podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us at us at our email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via our YouTube channel or via iTunes, or if you're an Android user, one of the many apps that they have. This is episode 184, where we get to chat with Terry Beattie. My name is Jermaine, and today I'm joined by Stephen. How are you, mate?
2: I'm very well, Jermaine, and yourself?
0: Yeah, good, mate. Um, it's been a, a, an event for a couple of weeks in the in the Parker household. Um, but no, um, uh, looking forward to life returning to a little bit more of normality, and uh, looking forward to today's chat as well.
2: So am I. I really am. Um one thing you've, you've got to mention in the intro, will, will we have our new, new newsletter up by the time this goes live?
0: Oh, I don't know. But, yes, uh, with the with the whole Facebook fiasco, we've decided that we can't just rely on Facebook. So we've got a few things in the, in the works. Um, and, Stephen, you, you're going to be taking that one on board. So I'm looking forward to what you're going to be producing with this one, mate. Cheers. <laughs> Should be good. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, yeah, so... As always, uh, if you wanted to know what's going on in, in the world of Chronicle Chamber, but more importantly in the world of Phantom, make sure you keep an eye on our social media, but also our website as well, where everything is and you won't miss out on anything. So today we are going to be joined by one of 13 people who has been credited as a Sunday artist. Now we are including ones like Carmen in Carmen Infantanto um, and Eric Dosha as well um so terry uh is the artist as we said before now terry worked on 11 stories between the dates of uh january 29th 2012 and the last one on may 7th 2017 um terry how are you sir
3: I'm good, 100, 184 episodes, that is a lot of phantom chat. Oh, <laughs> it surprises us sometimes
2: too.
3: <laughs> so you already know more about me than I do, because I couldn't. You know, if someone asked me how many stories I worked on, I'd have said, I have no idea, it was five years, how
2: many stories is that? I don't know. J- Jermaine is a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. That's Fantastic.
0: Oh yeah, no. There's this thing called uh, Phantom Wiki that helps. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't stay yourself short. Every time I ask you a question, you've got the answer right, back nearly straight away. With yeah, I,
3: I do want to say to the uh, to the, the listeners and viewers right away, the folks who are watching, um, this is not my office. I've invaded my <laughs> wife's office for the day, but I've dragged my uh, my convention banner in here so that you know who I am. So.
2: Uh, very good. And whereabouts are where you, about, um, Terry? Like, oh, I'm over here on the eastern side of Australia, and Jermaine's on the western side of Australia. It's about six o'clock in the morning where he is. Um, whereabouts in, in America are you based there?
3: Uh, I, I Actually, this is, uh, I'll not tell the whole story, but we don't really talk about where we live. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little uh, cyber stalker problem. Oh! Uh, include, uh, two fellas, uh, one of them actually from Australia, but I won't hold that against you guys.
2: No worries. Uh,
3: He's from Melbourne, if that makes
2: any difference. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, right. so
3: we don't really talk about where we are, although it's, it's, I will say it's uh, 3 p.m.
2: here. 3 p.m. in America. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't want to get specific. I just meant, you're ever in America somewhere, I'm just lucky like, to get the time zones going. <laughs> and a uh, well,
0: shout out to all our Melbourneites. Uh, they are a bit of a weird bunch. So um... <laughs> I'm in Ballarat. So, There's only so. that one guy. Everybody
2: else there is
0: great. Yes. Uh, no. yes. All right. So, um, thank you for joining us terry uh um this is um it's always a, a privilege to be able to talk to uh phantom creators um and kind of get a bit of an insight into their mind and why they've done certain things and stuff so i'm really looking forward to today um, so, I so
3: be happy to answer whatever questions you can throw at
0: me. Okay, well, we might start off simple, and we might go all the way to the beginning. So, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, like where you where you kind of grew up, um, your age or your age range, if you don't want to go into <laughs> specifics of that, and then just tell us a bit about how you wanted to become an artist, and you know, and and kind of like the progression of of you know of that, whether you went to art school and stuff, and then we can kind of go from there.
3: <laughs> well, I went to art school in, in my bedroom reading comic books <laughs> and trying to copy them onto uh, manila paper as a little kid. That, that was art school. Uh, not ashamed to admit, 63 years old, earned every gray hair uh, on this head, uh, thinning hair. <laughs> I'm not turning around to show you the back at this point. No, see, yeah, yeah, got that going too. Sad, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, except
2: I'm 20 family. years, your junior. <laughs> yeah, well,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, I was born in a little town in Iowa called Muscatine, um, which was uh, notable uh, only for the fact that Mark Twain lived there briefly as a teenager. His older brother uh, ran the newspaper there for a while. Uh, the, they tore the house he lived in down in the 1950s and put up a gas station. That's how much respect. <laughs> history. Um my father was an English teacher. My mother was a housewife, but she loved artwork. And so there were all sorts of art books in the house. Uh, you know, dad had love stories. You put those together and it's comics. Um, and uh, thanks to my three older brothers, uh, they brought home a lot of comic books. Uh, mid-1960s when I was you know, starting to, to learn how to read uh, early Marvel comics, uh, you know, Silver Age DCs. Uh, And and those were a big influence on me. And we also uh, had sort of the last run of the great uh, adventure strip artists in in the newspapers. Uh, Hal Foster was still drawing Prince Valiant. Uh, You know, Roy Crane would would still start out the stories in Buzz Sawyer. And before he handed them over to his assistants, Milt Kneff was doing Steve Canyon. Uh, And I just loved all that stuff from from day one. we did not have the Phantom in our local paper. It was in a paper that I saw occasionally. Uh, and you know, I was always like thrilled to see that, because I knew that was one of the, you know, the big adventure strips. But uh, uh, I did not get to follow that regularly until I was you know, like a teenager and subscribed to a, a publication that, that ran the Phantom strips. Uh, But as a kid, that was just my goal. I wanted to be a cartoonist, and whether that was newspaper strips or comic books kind of didn't matter. I just wanted to draw comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that happened uh, that was a a bit of a stroke of luck is that there's this fellow named Max Allen Collins who also lived in my hometown, uh, 10 years my senior. He had been a student in my father's uh, middle school English class and wrote his first attempts at crime novels uh, in that class. And uh, by the time I was in high school, uh, Max was uh, publishing uh, his earliest paperback uh, crime novels. And you know, I had a certain amount of local publicity because of that. And in those books, one of the characters was a would-be cartoonist and comic book collector. And so I read these and said, well, well, wait a minute. There's somebody else in town who cares about comic books because as far as I knew it was me and one of my high school buddies who liked the stuff, but wasn't quite as enthusiastic as me. Uh, so, you know, we connected and ended up, you know, being friends, uh, you know, for a while I was just kind of the kid who tagged along. Uh, but eventually we got to the point where we started trying to do, uh, you know, some work together and, uh, made a few attempts to sell a newspaper strip that didn't work and then eventually ended up doing comics and doing um, the the Ms. Tree Private Eye series that ran for about 11 years under different publishers. Uh, We co-created a superhero series called Wild Dog for DC. It was very short-lived but uh, keeps popping back up. He was a recurring character uh, on the Arrow TV show for about five years so every year I'd get this little paycheck in the mail <laughs> <and> around <laughs> October. Like, oh, that's okay, nice. Okay, a little <laughs> money. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and that led to, to my, my comics career.
0: Awesome. Um, so did you actually go to like a, a, an official art school or was it all, it was all self-taught?
3: All self-taught. Um, the Joe Kubert School started up about the time I was starting to break in and, and, and to be getting published. Uh, if it had started earlier, I'm sure I'd have found some way to have ended up there as a student, but uh, the timing was off. Yeah. Uh, during the time that I would have gone to, uh, to an art school, there was no, no art school that was teaching comics or had any respect for comics. Now, the irony here is that years later, uh, when I was living in uh, Minneapolis, I ended up teaching at uh, Minneapolis College of Art and Design in their comics program, where you could you know, get a degree in comic art, yes. uh, which would have been unheard of even 10 years prior to that. Uh, but now a whole lot of kids uh, taking out massive student loans <laughs> in order <laughs> to get their degree in comic art, and uh, you know, and a few of them, a few of my students have gone on to to get some things published. A, a whole bunch of them were uh, animation students who also took my my comic book classes, and some of those uh, students have really had you know terrific careers. Uh, several of them working on major features at Disney and other studios. Oh wow! Uh, so so that's nice to see. You know, it's a very small percentage, really. Uh, but this is true of art school anywhere. Very small percentage that actually go on to solid art careers because uh, it's just, it's difficult, you know, and there's a lot of competition. Uh, but I'm, you know, very proud of that little bunch and what they've accomplished.
2: Oh, very, very good. Um, so between, uh, was it Wild Dog and um, and The Mr. Phantom? Was it, sorry? Uh, oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say Mystery. No. <laughs> no. And, um,
3: the man knows what he's going to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, now you've thrown me. Um, well, we know you're from the Phantom, but um, yeah. and now you've just mentioned uh, Wild in and Mystery. Was there anything else in between um, those two projects before you led before you got into the Phantom?
3: Uh, yeah, well, I did. Uh, I had sort of these two periods of my career. There was a, the beginning of it where I was working for a smaller press and doing Mystery, and then breaking into DC where. Uh, We did 10 issues of a a quarterly uh, book featuring this tree there. And then we did Wild Dog, Uh, you know, with me as Penciler, uh, usually as Penciler and Inker, but sometimes Penciler, you know, teamed up with someone else inking. And then I sort of switched into being a comic book anchor. And I I had this period where uh, I worked on the Elfquest books for a while. I worked on a whole bunch of titles for techno comics during their brief uh, run. Uh, including one that involved Max. It was the Mickey Spillane's Mike Danger uh, comic. I'm pretty proud of those, actually. I think those were good books. Uh, inked Guy Gardner uh, over Joe Staten at DC, which was a, a Green Lantern spinoff for those unfamiliar with the character. And then I ended up inking uh, the Batman Adventures books, the, the comic oh. books that were uh, based on the animated TV series, which was based on a comic book, which is a <laughs> Really, there's a snake eating its tail in that somewhere, very circular. Uh, but I did that for about 11 years on uh, various uh, titles as the uh, the TV show would change and uh, they'd revamp the uh, the comic books to go along with it. So I had this long association as a Batman artist, which makes me part of a fairly exclusive club of artists who have both drawn Batman and Phantom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which, which is kind of cool. That's a nifty club to belong oh, to. Very cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to think who it will be. So it will be uh, Don Newton, yourself. Um, Graham Nolan. Graham Mike Nolan. Manley, Mike Manley. Uh,
3: uh, G- Jim apparo
0: main Yes. Jim uh,
3: Long runs on both. Yeah. So it's a fun club to be a part of.
0: Hmm. <laughs> can't, yeah, I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very exclusive club.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: nice. I, mean, so, uh, we, uh, oh, I was just going to say, we didn't have that on our run sheet. Um, yeah. We, yeah. We, we missed something.
2: <laughs> See, I talk him up as a walking encyclopedia, and he misses that film tidbit. Incredible. Uh, um, yeah.
0: oh, I was just going to say, could you tell us a little bit about how you got the gig of The Phantom?
3: Well, yeah. Uh, you know that, that there's there's kind of two ways that you get a, a gig drawing um, a, a legacy strip. It's either the previous artist retires or the previous artist passes away. And in this case, it was uh, unfortunately the latter. Uh, you know, I'd heard I heard through the grapevine from some of my fellow cartoonists and uh, Mike Manley and, and Tom Smith, who had colored the strip for a while, uh, that Eduardo Barreto had passed away. And that uh, King Features was looking for somebody to take over the strip. And my initial thought was, man, that just you know, I don't want to be a vulture and just swoop in and try to grab this job because somebody passed away. And those guys gave me a little talking to, and pretty much said, you know, somebody's going to draw it. It might as well be you. You know, there's, they just they need somebody to take over. And this this is how it works. And so I sat down, and I had other work going on at the time. Um, I don't remember what it was, but I had something else. I, I <laughs> had it. I'm sure it's important. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there were deadlines and bills to be paid and, and work to be done. Uh, but I sat down and just did a uh, a one-off drawing of, you know, phantom uh and hero and, and devil and sent it to the editor and said, "Hey, could you consider me?" you know, and gave him my backstory of the, the kind of comics I'd worked on in comic books. Um, uh, and he liked what he saw and contacted me. This is uh, Brendan Burford, who was uh, the editor at the time at, at King Features, comics editor. And he said, "Okay, uh, we're gonna need the script for uh, you know this this next Sunday." Now we're not hiring you. We're we're basically trying you out. Now this will be published, but you know you don't have the job yet. We're just trying you out. Let's see. So then he sent me the script, and I said, "Well, when do you need it?" And they were terribly behind. Because they had not really been aware uh, of how ill Eduardo was. And he had fallen behind schedule very badly because of that. And they weren't initially informed that he passed away. And some time went by before they figured out what was going on. So the strip was in pretty tight uh, shape as far as deadlines were concerned. And they needed it real fast. And I thought, man, I'm not sure I can do that. I've got this other work on my plate. And then I realized... Yeah, the other job I'm doing is a one-off thing. This could last for years. I'll just sit and
4: Yeah.
3: And so I, you know, I knocked the Sunday page out and sent it to them. They liked it. They sent me the script for the next few weeks, and said, oh, "Okay, well, let's keep going. See how we do." And I did those, and they approved those. Sent me the paycheck. That's the most important thing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Get the paycheck.
3: And then they sent me the script for the whole next story. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Tony DePaul would write an entire story at once. He wouldn't write a week, and then every week would write the next strip. He would write the whole darn thing. And so they just had me drawing it. And uh, about three months down the road, uh, I was on the phone with Brendan, and I said, Brendan? I said, yeah. Do I have the job yet? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the job. Yeah. they never really told me
4: until I uh, <laughs>
3: But again, you know, that's something I, I'd wanted to break into the newspaper strips for years. Uh, Max and I tried a couple attempts that, that just didn't make it. Uh, and so, you know, finally, it's a thrill to be in the, in the newspapers like uh, my cartooning heroes, although with far worse printing and, and much smaller uh, than, than those great strips of the old days. But what are you going to do? You got to gotta, gotta go with the flow. Mm.
2: Uh-huh. so um did you have much relationship with tony DePaul? like did you did you meet him at all chat to him or was it just a matter of you get the scripts and and never do that to, uh,
3: chatted with him uh i don't even know if i ever chatted with him on the phone it may have all been uh emails back and forth uh but no we never met yeah. uh there were a couple times when he was off on one of his legendary motorcycle <laughs> tours around the, the states and uh you know swung nearby where I was, but uh, uh, never uh, he never made the detour to come see me. So, you know, one of these days, perhaps we'll meet, but so far, nope. That's not, not unusual. That's really yeah. not unusual in comics. Uh, there's a great many of the uh, the people that I've worked with in comic books uh, that I never met. I mean, some of them, my best friends, and <laughs> spend a great deal of time with. And others uh, strictly phone calls, email, just sending the work back and forth, uh, facilitated <laughs> by editors.
0: Hmm. Now, you may mention of uh, Tom Smith and Mike yeah. Manley. Um, so, did you have like a relationship with them before? Because like both have a you know a fairly strong history with the Phantom. Tom Tom Smith was the colorist for Tony De Paul and for yourself for quite a while, I believe, and. Mike Manley, who's the current uh, daily artist as well. So did you have a bit of a relationship uh, you know,
3: there? They're guys I knew through the grapevine, through the comics business and uh, and through the Internet. Um, I I think I may have been at a convention or two where Tom was uh, also a guest, but I've never actually met Mike in person. Uh, you know, I consider us friends and we've known each other a long time and. The fact that we both do, you know, we were both phantom artists, but we also both work on uh, the soap opera strips for King Features. Uh, my Rex Morgan strip and his Judge Parker strip are sort of sister strips. So they were created by the same writer. Uh, and when both of us came onto those strips, they were written by the second same writer uh, on those features. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot in common and we do a lot of comparing of notes. Uh, and and griping with each other about things we can't gripe about publicly. So,
0: anyway. <laughs> Is that the uh, comments kingdom comments section? <laughs> oh, well, I will I will
3: publicly gripe about that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the peanut uh, gallery. Was, yeah.
0: Um. Now, before you made mention that <sighs> you didn't regularly get to read the Phantom until into your teenage years, could you um? Tell us a little bit about your relationship with the with the Phantom, like prior um, to becoming I'm the newspaper. I remember artist. you
3: know the first time I was aware of the character, and I think it may have been um, Warren Publications, were the same people who published Famous Monsters magazine and vampirella creepy Creepy, uh, did a one shot uh, superhero uh, uh, magazine in the 60s when the Batman TV show was a big deal and the, and the Batman movie was coming out and it was all articles about superheroes in the movies uh, or, or television. And so it was, you know, Batman TV show and Flash Gordon serial and the Phantom serial. And uh, of course, well, I probably already knew Phantom from reading on Comics History uh and again like i said when we would go to a cousin's house or something i would see this other newspaper was the, the times democrat from davenport iowa uh that ran all the king features strips and they had prince valiant and, and flash gordon and, and phantom uh and johnny hazard too which i loved. uh and so i was just aware of the character from early on and then um there were the king features comic books and i know i had a uh, three-pack Uh, that was a Phantom, a Flash Gordon, and a Mandrake comic that all came in a little plastic bag uh, all together. Uh, So those were the early exposures to it. Um, Didn't really get to read it regularly until the 1970s, and I subscribed to this wonderful uh, comics fan publication called the Menominee Falls Gazette. Mm -hmm. And it was a weekly comic strip newspaper uh, published by just a couple of guys out of Wisconsin. And it, had, it was tabloid sized, you know, black and white. Uh, and they would run an entire week's worth of dailies on each page. And then they had Sunday strips too, of all the current adventure strips, some vintage adventure strips, and then um, European adventure strips, know, even Australian, because they ran Airhawk as well. Uh, and that was my big exposure to the fan, where I finally got to read it every week. Uh, that sounds along awesome. With all these others, along with all these other strips as well. And yeah, the day that the Gazette arrived in the mail, that was just like, okay, I'm going to my room. See you later. Uh, that was just you know hours uh, you know, perusing all these great uh, comic strips.
4: Hmm.
0: Yeah, hmm. no. Uh, and occasionally they had the Phantom. I think it was on the 100th or the 150th or something. They actually had a full-size uh drawing of the phantom on the cover and all that
3: yeah he made the cover occasionally i mean i it was like a 50 page thing so it was about once a year (laughs) each strip would end up on the cover (laughs) everyone's
2: got to get a go i suppose (laughs) yeah they they would rotate
3: them but uh uh and well and another uh thing i've got uh i said i've got i've got show and tell stuff here oh
2: i love show and tell um
3: also, there, you know, there were the Gold Key comics um, that had those painted covers by George Wilson, mm-hmm. and those were really attractive. I don't have any of those here, but I do have, of course, this, which is also a George Wilson cover. Uh, and that image of the Phantom, the way he painted the Phantom, is what I always had in my head when I would draw the character. Uh, I don't know if you compare my Phantom face behind me with that George Wilson face that's not too oh, far man. apart. Uh, yeah. Even though, you know, Cy Barry, of course, is, is the touchstone that I think any modern fandom strip artist would lean on for, well, that's what the strip should look like. Uh, but, but Wilson was a big influence, too.
2: Mm. Yeah. And we, we hear that a lot about, about Cy, but I think it's also important that artists have can bring their own style to the character and not just copy Cy all the time.
3: Well, that's true. Uh, absolutely true. And uh, I don't think I was you know slavishly imitating anybody. Mm. Uh, but I also feel that when you come to a feature like this that does have sort of an established look, yeah that you shouldn't stray too far from it. That's uh, right. And as much as I uh, enjoy you know the Ray Moore and and Wilson McCoy uh, versions, uh, it would be really cool to draw in that simpler cartoony style. But I know that wouldn't fly, you know. Mm. So it's uh, it's Siberi school all the way for the Phantom. Uh, but of course, you know, of course, adding your own your own touches and your own style.
2: Mm. So, what is it about the Phantom that makes him special for you? Why Why are you so drawn, or why were you drawn to the character?
3: Um. Well, he's unique, you know, and he is he is the first masked costume hero in comics. Uh, he's a great design. Uh, and you know there's this mysterious you know background to him and also as a kid growing up in the 60s uh I was a big fan of uh the Tarzan books and the movies because those those showed up on my tv every afternoon there was a uh, a local uh kids host uh called Jungle Jay and he wore the pith helmet and you know he'd show he'd say hey there jungle heirs <laughs> they'd show tarzan and bamba and those jungle gym movies which are you know those are pretty terrible uh but as a kid that was a big deal it was crazy jungle adventures and and phantom tied into that as well uh i have to say i'm going off on a crazy tangent jungle Jay also weekend evenings was dr igor and he showed the Universal Monster movies. And as a kid, I wanted to be Dr. Igor when I grew up. Because uh, the same guy, but a different costume. the a fright wig and a lab coat. And As Dr. Igor, he would say, how you are, kids? And then show the scary movie. Uh, and then make jokes that probably went over my head. Because there was, you know, trying to dirty <laughs> jokes onto the air. Making a show. Uh, <laughs> again, wanted to be... Dr. Igor when I grew up, but you know, just never quite made it. Uh, <laughs> but it was just all part of that a- adventure hero thing uh, hmm. you know, th- that was major when I was a kid. Also, so, somebody made a point the other day I saw on Facebook, it was an animator, was talking about the fact that current kids animation shows are all about kids having adventures. Whereas when we grew up, it was all adult characters having adventures. And I think that's an, an interesting generational shift that, you know, my son watches Steven universe. Uh, I watched, uh, you know, the Tarzan Lone ranger hour, <laughs> and you know, the kid, if there was ever a kid in those shows, there would be annoying sidekick you wanted nothing to do with. <laughs> uh, so very different time.
0: No, it's a, it's, it's a brilliant point actually. Um, yeah. Cause I, even, um, even when they redo uh, classics like, like the new Sheera that she's a kid rather than yeah. an adult in the in the 80s.
2: <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually talking about this privately the, the other day, about the new version of Shearer and the old-school version of Shearer. And Jermaine and had the, the two photos, um, or two pictures, rather, uh, side by side. And I just saw that the new Shearer looked like an annoying brat, and the old-school <laughs> Shearer looked like she was just about to kick, whoop, whoop her butt with that raisin of sweat. <laughs>
3: Well, I have to say having watched a good chunk of that with my kids, the new version's pretty darn
2: good. Oh, right. just, I have, I have to give it idea. a go. I think so I've got sons that might still get into it. Oh, I watched but it again.
3: I'm not the audience for that. I'm not the yeah. intended audience. My my 9-year-old and 12-year-old are and they, you know, they'll they'll eat it up with a spoon. So they are doing something right.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's all about pr- probably making it more um what would you call it more relatable to them as well mm-hmm. but uh it's, it's it's a great point i've um yeah never really thought about it. and then when you said it i'm like listening on yeah. all the all the tv shows that my kids watch uh it's
2: like yeah it's all full of kid characters yeah now that you mentioned it it's it's there yeah and what, but what we watch you know Shearer, he-man defenders of the earth are all adults or batman mm.
3: you are younger <laughs> <easier> than me
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, now um so uh, in your so it was about a five year period that you drew the Phantom Four. Do you have like a um, like a favorite story or a favorite moment in that area in that era that you um uh, that that you want to talk about?
3: Uh, well, I think my favorite thing that happened was uh, getting to do the Mandrake crossover. Oh, the crossover. Yeah. so it appeared more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I came onto the strip, Tony asked me, he said, "Was well, there anything you'd like to do? Is there any <laughs> kind of story, you know, you'd, you'd especially like, like to do? Because I can write, you know, for you in that case. And I said, well, let's ask King if we can bring Mandrake in. Uh, because to my understanding, Ma- uh, Phantom had appeared in the Mandrake strip briefly. But Mandrake had never appeared in the Phantom strip, at least in the newspapers. And yeah I thought, well it's about time we make that happen doesn't it we have established they, they're part of the same universe they're both uh lee falk characters uh and you know mandrake was in its final days at that point in fact the fred fredericks actually retired uh during the period that our crossover story was appearing uh, that's nice so, touch uh, weirdly i'm the last guy to have drawn a new mandrake story in in the newspapers and it should have been fred uh, because lord he drew that strip for something like 47 years
0: since the 60s i believe
3: yeah just amazing Mm. Uh, and you know he was i think 90 or something by the time he was was, you know retiring uh that's one nice thing about newspaper strips apparently you can do this job until you croak Uh, because you know there have been a couple of guys who literally were 90 years old and still drawing newspaper strips and considering our mortgage and you know my kids still having to go to college I'm probably going to be one of them uh, if there's still newspapers
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking coming strip artists and the Pope you know the two jobs you have until you're dead <laughs> <laughs> possibly, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> uh,
3: but yeah, the getting to do a mandrake and Lothar it was just that was a lot of fun, you know. Mm. That, that just ticked off my uh, my my you know, my little fanboy wish list right there because there's another great comic strip character I got to draw.
2: Mm. Yeah, so we were very appreciative of it. I hope yeah, like, but um, was there two st- one or two stories? Two stories, two stories, two. Two stories. Yeah. one on the cruise ship, and the other one where. The one, uh, the other
3: one, was primarily about Lothar.
2: Yeah, and that's the, it. Uh, the presidential election. That's the one. Yeah. yeah no, I um, the that Mandra one,
0: Oh, sorry. You one, go.
3: By the way, I'm I'm proud of updating Lothar's wardrobe, and put it, <laughs> and putting him in a shirt with a uh, leopard skin pattern on it. But but not just the vest. You know, I thought, come on, we got to update this a little. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's what was It, it would have been about 2015, 2016, or something around then. Uh, you know better than yeah. I. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, very timely for an update. Um the cruise ship story was was probably my one of my probably one of my two favorites of that of the era that um uh of your little reign there. Um just it was just a it was a very fun story. Um It was
3: a lot of fun to draw, um too. I mean, getting to draw all those costumes and such. Although a funny thing, uh, King Features told me early on, uh, they said Okay, you know you got mandrake in the story, but don't draw other King feature characters for the costumes. I said, really, I can't have people dressed as Blondie and Dagwood or Popeye in the back. No, no, no. Oh. it was something their lawyers told them. I'm sure. That
0: yeah,
3: it just seemed silly, and I think something of a missed opportunity. But
0: yeah, yeah, especially with that guy who was writing, um, he was she trying to guess, <laughs> he was trying to guess who the Phantom was, and. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun story. I, I've actually got, uh, when you came to Australia, we'll talk about Australia uh, down the track, but you were selling some of those pages from that story. And um, I've got one of those pages from that story. It's just, it was, yeah, it was such an iconic moment of that, of, of uh, what you did.
3: You know, a funny thing that Phantom fans might, might not realize, and I got Tony's okay to do this, is I actually took that that guy that guy the the heavy set guy in the superhero costume who was in the Phantom story. I actually had him make an appearance in Rex Morgan in a, a sequence oh. that took place at a comic book convention. Uh, so that is that is the one official Rex Morgan Phantom crossover. That <laughs> guy showed up <laughs> in, in both strips.
0: Oh wow! Oh, well, very good yeah i didn't didn't know that um the other thing i liked about there's a scene uh when they're dancing and you've got the uh, it's got the big oversized panels you've broken Mm -hmm. the traditional three layout um and then you've and then there's the music notes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that um will if you just i'll just bear with me i'll see if i can actually um pick that up and share it on the screen so um, We've brought
3: up something that uh, that initially made me extremely happy and then ultimately made me quite sad, which oh. is the, the big panels. Mm, uh,
4: yeah.
3: That was something that Eduardo Barreto had started. And I thought it would just look great uh, because you really could make a splash and do something different by, by taking that section of the uh, Sunday page layout. And if you just look at it as one big panel, you could break it up into whatever you wanted. And you could also do, you know, act full show a full figure and show someone falling off a cliff in ways that you can't in a panel that's this shape.
4: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: that's mm-hmm. this is not good for showing somebody falling off a cliff. <laughs> this is. Yeah. Uh, and I asked the syndicate. I said, "Can we really do this? Because it doesn't break down into a quarter page format. Mm-hmm. It can, it it's fine for half page and third page." and the full tabloid, but it doesn't break down into the quarter page. And I said, no, it's fine. I don't, it's not, nobody's running the quarter page. And so we did it for months. And then I found out that not only were there some newspapers still running the quarter page format, but the syndicate set up a phantom page where they showed the strip in the quarter page format and they had to jump through hoops to reconstruct something out of those panels that worked in, in that way and it just you know ruined the artwork and the storytelling it was a mess and I thought well all right uh we can't do that anymore so
2: yeah mm. you know. that's uh, a shame so,
3: yeah it is because uh, it really uh freed me up to be able to draw much more dynamic uh images
2: and yeah. so a...
3: at least I didn't have that horrible restrictives format that uh, Alex Saviak got stuck with on the Spider-Man strip where every panel was exactly the same size and there's a huge gutter between every one of them <laughs> and I thought that's just awful and especially for Spider-Man you need some room I mean let him break out but for some reason there was some thought about how they were going to reprint those or something where they insisted that every panel had to be the same.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, or before you joined us, I, I, um, I was asking Jermaine about that and he showed up a couple of, of pages and thought, oh, that's right, the nice big slide. Yeah, so um, we liked it and we thought it worked well. Unfortunately, it didn't work well in, in every um, situation. Have you found what you're looking for before, Jim?
0: Yeah, so here's one here. So um, I will show them up on, uh, on the video, um, on the YouTube um, version of this as well. But um, here's, here's an example here. Uh, yeah. Where, where you've kind of got the two the smaller up there, and then you've got the big one, and then the two just alongside. It's um just yeah, just looks- essentially
3: that's that's what uh, Will Eisner would call a super panel, where there's you know there's one border around it, but that's essentially three panels uh, mm-hmm. of of information going on there. It's just that the <clears throat> you know the images are are laying on top of each other. Uh, you certainly can't do that kind of thing with the more restrictive uh panel format that you know ultimately i was again stuck with
2: but you know what, you know, what are you gonna do it almost <laughs> it, makes yeah. it looks more like a, a comic book rather than a comic strip having being able to change the yeah, size yeah. of the panels like that yeah. yeah
3: well you know if you look back at, at newspaper strips from the early days of the strip uh, of, of, of the strips um cartoonists used to be given an entire page mm. in the sunday comic section and they would draw the strip however they wanted in that full page. And sometimes they would draw the main feature and then have what they would call a topper strip or a bottom strip. That was just a, you know, a secondary feature like jungle gym was to flash Gordon. Uh, And ultimately as the the years went by, uh, you know, they started breaking those down into, well, okay, you get a half page. Mm. And then they started breaking those into smaller and smaller strips and, And, you know, by late 40s, early 50s, it was, all right, you have to draw it to this format so we can break it down and all these different versions that we can offer to newspapers so that they can sneak an advertisement onto the page Mm. initially. And then it became about putting as many strips on the page as possible to uh, save paper. Uh, All to the detriment of the strips themselves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They got no benefit out of it.
0: And then uh, we get closer and closer to the uh, paper, trying to trying to read it. Yeah, yeah. No, it just, um, like I, I, it's just like I—it's the thing that I, I loved um, about about yourself and uh, Eduardo's um, areas. Just it was just that breakout. It was just uh, it was just amazing. It was amazing change and something that I had never seen as a fan. And then when it was published in a free comic, um, it was just. It was just a lot more dynamic,
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. And and again, you know, it broke down just fine into a comic book page. So it's basically, mm. basically the same as the, the you know the full tabloid page for the newspapers. Uh, so, yeah, it worked, just not for the quarter page. <laughs> what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, um, the other story that I really liked was the um, I oh, was at the Death Stalks, the Fifth Phantom, when um, you've got the the fifth, was it the fifth phantom or the, um, he was captured and, um, it might've been the 15th. I can't remember at the top of my head. Um, and then it was his wife, Juliet Adams, I believe it was that had to rescue him.
3: That was a fun story to draw. Cause I got to draw, you know, scurvy pirate characters and, uh, you know, got to be a little goofy and, and, and silly with some of those, uh, which I always enjoy doing, uh, the ship stuff was always difficult uh, that's the one thing about the phantom it is research heavy uh, you know my rex morgan strip i'm drawing you know regular people sitting in their living rooms talking and maybe if they're in a doctor's office and i have plenty of reference for that uh, but the phantom you know one week it's a pirate ship the next week it's a jet fighter and then a submarine <laughs> and uh you know, he gets around research yeah and if you don't draw things accurately you hear about it
4: <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> you got to be careful and uh you know do the do the stuff right so that uh you know you don't uh, don't get complaints uh yeah a lot of work goes into the
2: thing so do you have like filing cabinets full of um reference drawings or reference um uh i
3: thing? used to have stacks of reference stuff but uh thankfully now uh thanks to the internet oh uh, yes, there's so. no need for that <laughs> uh, you know uh Google search will usually find you what you're looking for. Occasionally, sometimes you'll just be at a loss and, and not be able to turn something up. Uh, but no, it's uh, one thing I think was kind of sad was uh, the the great Batman artist uh, Dick Sprang, uh, when he was uh, you know much older and wasn't really working anymore except for a few uh, uh, commission pieces, was, uh, offered me his reference files oh, wow. uh, and they were considerable <laughs> it was a <laughs> lot of material and I just couldn't afford to have it all packed up and sent to me and ultimately it would have been wonderful to have but I with the advent of the internet I didn't need it
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, but that's what a uh, cartoonist used to call it scrap and they would go through, you know, the National Geographic and the newspapers and uh you know old encyclopedias that otherwise were gonna be thrown out and cut out any visual reference that might be needed at some point mm. and just have filing cabinets full of this stuff. And uh it's just is not the case anymore, you
0: know. No, I've heard another um artist call it the morgue or something, is that?
3: Yeah. <clears throat> Keep your scrap in the morgue. <laughs> That's- I don't know. Don't know how those names came to be, but that's that's what they call
0: it. Yeah, no, it's just um, I I've uh I I, heard, I once heard a, st- a story about um, it was uh it was from Lee Fork. He he was after I think it was he was with Phil Davis, and they were after a picture of a person on a horse, and they could not find it. So this was back in the '40s, I believe. And so they got a page from Flash Gordon, I believe it was, and they used that as reference. Mm -hmm. And then, like, five, ten years later, he was talking to the artist who drew it, and he was saying how he actually used that drawing that they copied as a reference for another (laughs) drawing. Yeah, I've uh, heard
3: that story. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, cartoonists, you know, referenced each other all the time. Mm. uh they didn't expect that this stuff was ever going to be you know reprinted and uh you know kept in museums and that people would be able to look at uh you know this page from a hawkman comic book and this flash gordon page and say oh that's where that came from uh you know it's all that that swiping that uh you know cartoonists regularly did was the standard thing, and uh, you know, nobody ever figured that years and years later that uh, they'd get caught out. Oh, so, <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Um, so was that? Um, oh, so we mentioned before that you came to Australia. Um, was that a bit of a highlight? Um,
3: that was wonderful. Um, the only thing, the only complaint <laughs> I have about the trip is that I was sick as a dog the entire time. Oh, uh, I felt great when I got on the plane. And halfway through the plane ride, I started feeling just awful. And I had what I thought was a terrible cold. When I got back to the States and got to my doctor, he said, no, well, you have walking pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> so it made me wish I'd seen a doctor in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to a drugstore and got some cough medicine or something, I think. That was about it. Uh, Drank a lot of tea, used a lot of uh, of tissues, blowing my nose. Uh, Yeah, I just felt terrible uh, during the whole thing. And so I bailed on a lot of the uh, touristy stuff that the other guests were doing. uh, Because I was a guest at the Supernova shows in Sydney and in Perth. And in that week, in between the shows, they had stuff for you know the guests to do they'd take them on you know hey everybody we're gonna do karaoke at the bar and you know so i missed doing karaoke with the brady bunch kids (laughs) maybe that's okay (laughs) that's all right i stayed in i stayed in my hotel room drank a lot of tea and watched movies
2: Uh, well that just means you have to come over again once all this stuff's lifted
3: (laughs) Uh, yeah, it was. God, I would love to. No, it was. It was really a highlight. I've never been treated better uh, at conventions. Uh, I've never had more interest in my work uh, at conventions. Uh, you know, my hosts, uh, the Fries in, in Sydney, were just wonderful. Uh, and uh, uh, oh, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, the guy who's involved with Fru now, Phantom Artist. Uh, Glenn uh, Yes. Uh, Glenn Ford drove me out to uh, to see the Norman Lindsay uh, Museum, uh, which was one of the highlights of my life, seeing that material uh, displayed because I've loved Lindsay's work for years and being able to see the original paintings and drawings was just amazing. Uh, and I always tell people this is something that uh, I never thought about, but the food was all great. I, mean, day, I don't know maybe i was just lucky but every every meal i got served was fantastic except i went to an american diner in perth and had a really bad cheeseburger so that's what i get for trying to eat american <laughs> that was the one the one bad thing that happened but no i loved it and i mean i've been a fan of of australian pop culture for years uh i don't know if you were aware that the uh the TV series "Prisoner," which is called "Prisoner Cell Block H" here, okay. about the women in prison, yep. uh, played on American TV, and I was nuts for that show, and loved you know George Miller's films, and uh, just you know, so getting to to go to Australia was just a real treat. Just absolutely loved it. Would love to come back someday.
2: Oh, we'd uh, love I, to I have you over here.
3: I probably should have stayed a fandom artist if I wanted to do that. I don't think think they're going to invite the Rex Morgan MD cartoonist back over because nobody knows what that is. over there.
0: Yeah. No, it's uh, I remember um, I remember the dinner and I remember you did a what was it? The Revel uh, kit that you repainted and that was auctioned off as well.
2: Oh, hello.
3: (laughs) Right there. That's yeah. this is my copy of it. Yeah. yeah. This is the, the 1960s Revelle, uh, a plastic model kit of the Phantom. It also comes with a witch doctor character, but I didn't, I didn't drag him out of my, my office. Uh, but I painted two of these at the same time, uh, kept this one for myself, and the other was auctioned off uh, at the dinner because I thought, well, what better thing to bring than a, a Phantom model kit painted by a Phantom artist?
4: do
3: mm. uh, yeah. too many of those out there. Uh, and that is where my two obsessions collide. Uh, my two childhood obsessions, comics and model kits. Uh, so, you know, and then in, in this case, my career as well. So.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of your uh, model kits that you have on Facebook and and that you uh, redo. And it seems to be a bit of a, a hobby where you kind of rescue, I guess is a good way of putting it, rescue a half-used or a half-painted uh, model <laughs> kit. And then you... Um, uh you know strip the you paint off it, yeah you restore it. and then in, in a lot of times you you even i think sometimes i've seen you made little adjustments to them as well
3: yeah it was a little customization at times um you know the vintage model kits uh, and the, the main company was aurora and they, they produced kits based on <coughs> universal monsters and also dc and marvel superheroes uh, and they were slated to do a phantom and a flash gordon kit but they, they never got produced uh, Ravel ended up doing those. Um, the original kits, if you find one in the original box, uh, unbuilt, they're very expensive on the collector's market. Mm-hmm. But you can get a build-up kit that some kids slopped together in the 60s with you know too much glue and really bad paint, and those don't cost much. So you can get that strip the paint off, scrape off some of that glue, and repaint it just like it was a new kit. And sometimes there's a little damage you have to repair. Uh, but that's I think part of the fun and the challenge is taking this this mess,
4: <laughs>
3: this potential wonderful kit that, that's a mess and turning it into something worthwhile. Uh, and and the kit building had been a hobby of mine when I was a kid. Uh, I abandoned it, you know, when I got to be a teenager because Girls and, you know, <laughs> like, and the, oh, the girls. Girls. and rock and roll and all that stuff. Uh, but later, as an adult, I came back to it uh, and found that oh, I have these adult art skills now. I can actually make these look good instead of just slopping the enamel paint on and you know making them look like junk that I later blew up with firecrackers or used as BB gun <laughs> targets. I don't know why. Really such a common thing, but it's that was the fate of I think 90 percent of the model kits built in the 1960s, uh, blown up with with uh, firecrackers or shot to pieces with with BB guns. We were destructive little
2: kids. You know, kids <laughs> in the
3: 60s man, I don't know. It was all that TV, all those adventure stories.
2: Yeah. But, <laughs> Uh, just just wondering uh terry um is there anything else you got hidden off screen there you just pulled the the model kit there what else you got for show and tell i I, I brought some you
3: know brought some phantom stuff up Um, you know one of the nice things that happened uh when i came onto the strip was uh how nicely i was welcomed by by other fans um you know um i'm thinking uh, a pistol pete Klaus, you know, were always yep. always sending me stuff. Uh, uh, Ed Rhodes, who unfortunately passed away far too soon, uh, sent me, you know, great reference material when, when I, you know, was in trouble and couldn't find what I needed. Uh, and then, you know, so I had a fan, I don't even remember who this was and I'm ashamed of that, but I had fans send me this, which is my oh, wow. logo panel, just, you know, burned onto a wooden plaque that hangs on the wall <laughs> of my office. And, uh, that's so cool and just you know out of out of the blue that arrived in the mail one day um, and I you know I am not the phantom collector that you are at all Jermaine <laughs> clearly like <laughs> I, I was telling you earlier my my focus is comics in general and phantom's just part of it but I do have a few nice pieces this uh, was the first Harvey uh, issue I'm trying to get it without uh, reflection it's kind of hard uh, this was a gift from uh, my buddy, Jamie Graham, who runs uh, Graham Crackers Comics in uh, Naperville, Illinois, and elsewhere. Uh, and I was a guest at a comic book show, and he just walked over and handed it to me and said, you should own this. I was like, okay.
4: yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, you should.
3: <laughs> argue, I will not argue with you about that. Um, a few older things that I've had for years. Uh, Phantom Arcade Card. Uh, there's a whole series of this of uh, comic strip characters. You'd put, uh, I think it was a penny, into a machine and and get your collector's card of uh, oh. you know, your favorite comic strip character. And there's there's the Phantom, uh, it's a Ray Moore version.
4: Hmm.
3: What else do I have here? Ah, now, this is a book that shows up quite often, but not always in dust jacket. Ooh. And so I was was very happy to. To find this. Uh, there's a whole series of these Whitman books uh, that are essentially uh, juvenile novelizations of comic strips. Uh, and this is you know, the only phantom book in the series. There's Dick Tracy and there's Jay's, uh, trying to think of some of the others, Smile and Jack, all sorts, all sorts of other adventure strip uh, characters. There's even Blondie and Bagwood, which I've never read. I don't know how you make a novel out of Blondie. <laughs> <There's> somebody... <laughs> Uh, but what, isn't that a great cover on that? Yeah. What a great image. Uh, I'm assuming you have a copy.
0: Me, at least. Uh, yeah, I think I've got three copies actually. Cause they, <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> In a dust they, jacket and nicely presented like that.
0: <laughs> uh, no, not, not as nicely presented as that. Cause they came in different, um, there's different, uh, versions or different publications. And so they came in different colors, not, yeah. not of the dust jacket, but of the actual book. Thing. the
3: book itself yeah.
0: yeah 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 so i think there's a, a green a blue and a red from the top of my uh, head So, right. yeah. Right. yeah so it's as not, a
3: it's not that uncommon to to find them without the dust jackets yeah that uh, dust jackets are, are rare on any of those books because they were kids books and they, they got read and, and and treated harshly and and speaking of kids books i love big little books i brought up one mm. of my phantom yeah. books uh to show and I'm just, I'm just rather amazed at the condition this is in. Uh, Beautiful condition. It, It's tough to find BLBs, as we call them in the collecting field, in really nice shape, because again, these got read by kids and trashed. Plus, they're the sort of paper that just turns, you know, to dust after a yeah. while. Uh, so, you know, this copy is still kind of you know tight like nobody ever actually read it and the pages are still uh, you know they're lightly tanned but they're not uh, not the dark brown uh that you often find and the you know the corners are not chewed up by a mouse mm. or anything oh there you go
2: oh, mine are a bit
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a more typical condition for a big little book
0: yeah uh, i like the um so. there's one of the big little books of the phantom ones where there's like a little drawing in the corner, and like you flick him, and oh, it, you yeah, have like a moving animation in the corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so every kid flicks it, which means you know the corners get doggied even more and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But again, those covers, covers just amazing, like they're you know, like they're like that painted, you know, and they've just um, it's interesting seeing the fandom in so many different colors. I think it goes from yes. red, blue, and purple. Um, but um yeah, yeah no that... he was
3: always purple in the US. I never knew he was different colors until uh, you know, much later. Uh I started exploring and finding out that different countries he uh, you know had different colored costumes.
0: Hmm. So does it um, does it get, do you get a bit of a kick out of seeing um, your you know your stories being published throughout the, you know, throughout the world with the phantom and stuff like that?
3: I do get a kick out of it. That's about all I get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there are no royalties paid on those reprints, which is one of my minor complaints about King Features. King Features has been very good to me, but that's one thing about the comic book business. When you sign on to do a legacy strip, it's pretty much just one payment for doing the work and whatever else they do with it after that, you don't, don't get anything more, uh, but it is encouraging. It's nice to see the work reprinted um, when I do <laughs> see it, uh, because it's, it's fairly rare that anybody bothers to send me a copy. Uh, oftentimes, I'll have to track those, you know, the, the reprints from different countries down myself if I want a copy. Uh, I was spoiled a little bit at DC uh, for years because whenever there would be um, editions from other countries of uh, primarily the Batman work that I did, they would send me uh, a stack. Uh, so I have, you know, French hardcover albums of my Batman work. I have uh, Russian uh, Batman comics. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to see the work reprinted in, mm. in a different language. Uh, but any any phantom stuff I have, it's because some fan has been nice and sent it to me or I tracked it down myself.
2: Mm. Oh. Were the Australian fans nice and gave you some free comics?
3: <laughs> uh, I do not recall whether, I, you know, they must have. Um, but the fans were very nice. What the fans mainly did was they, uh, you know, lined up to get my, my signature and, you Buy artwork and have me do sketches, and it kept me very busy. Uh, <laughs> like I said, see, in the U.S., my comics career was uh, I drew a, a small press detective comic book uh, about a female character that wasn't a cheesecake or pinuppy sort of thing. It was just a more straight detective uh, for an audience that was mainly interested in superheroes. So you know that <laughs> that did not make me a superstar. Uh, And then I was a Batman anchor, And because I worked on Batman, that was a big deal. Wasn't necessarily me, it was Batman. And so during those those years, conventions were very good for me because I was a Batman artist and people had me draw Batman for them. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, when I got the Phantom gig, people in the U.S. don't really know the Phantom anymore. You know, the the comic book collectors of the the Marvel DC sort just aren't that familiar with them. And so uh, the lines at my table got smaller and smaller during those years. Uh, Now that I'm even no longer doing the Phantom and I'm just doing Rex Morgan, which is a soap opera strip uh, aimed at a much older readership, uh, there is no point in me doing a convention at all (laughs) in the US. Not that we're having it of course mm. thanks to covid we're all just stuck at home because uh, apparently we have no idea how to manage this <laughs> that's a whole other story that we probably don't want to go into
0: yeah yeah no we'll so, stick it to a a a, a phantom podcast not yeah. not a political <laughs> podcast
3: <laughs> yeah, we, no, we don't want to boast well, about how good we're doing just pandemic <laughs> um okay so when <laughs> i got to australia and suddenly there's just people lined up, you know, mm. wanting to talk to me and get my autograph and talk to me about the Phantom and tell me, oh, you know, the Phantom is the first comic they ever read and their dad loved the Phantom and it's such a thrill to be the Phantom artist. It was a fantastic experience. I had not had that sort of uh, experience at a convention uh, really ever. Uh, so it was it was an enormous treat. Uh I, I really, really loved those uh, those convention uh, appearances, despite the fact that I felt like death warmed over the entire time and really, really hope I didn't make anyone else sick. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing I worry most about. Like, Just in I the hood so of, sick, I, think. I hope I didn't pass that on to anybody else. What, are they they are call do? what do they it, call it? They call it the confluence, or
0: something. Yeah.
3: When somebody flies you over from the U.S. to Australia, you show up for what they flew you there for,
0: no matter how you feel. I remember you had some uh, little um, little trading card size um, sketches, Uh, and you had I think you had about a dozen of the Phantom ones. And I think I was at your table like I think it opened at ten minutes, and I think I was there at about ten minutes past ten, and all the Phantom ones had already been gone. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, one thing I discovered doing conventions over the years is, you know, you've got your big-time collectors who are happy to come in and buy a, a big, expensive piece of original artwork from you, uh, but there are also the people who would love to do that and can't begin to afford it. Mm. And so, it's nice to have some smaller pieces that are uh, bargain-priced, and I can sit down and just, you know, knock out a quick uh, portrait of a character on a sketch card then that's something that's affordable that people can buy. And they've got a piece of my original art and you know, they feel really good about mm-hmm. that. Um, so again, if I ever do conventions again, uh, that's, that's probably something I'll, I'll continue to do, but uh, you know, it's conventions are off the table for a while.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind
3: of, I, I kind of lost my enthusiasm for conventions at least here in America too, because like I said, you know, they're not phantom fans here <laughs> like they were in australia and also comics conventions have become less and less about comics and they're more about media and pop culture yeah. uh and it's harder and harder to find the kind of things i'm interested in there and the last few shows i went to uh i went just as a you know as a, as a general admission guy i didn't sign up to be a guest i just went and walked the floor and found friends of mine who were guests and chatted and had a nice time and bought a couple books and uh it was lovely i didn't have to spend hours behind a table telling people no i'm not stan lee which is (laughs) actually actually a question that almost every comic book convention guest has had are you stan lee and no i'm not stan lee
4: wow (laughs)
3: I actually, I also got, are you Lee Falk? <laughs>
4: no. It's <laughs> been dead a while.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, so do you still have any of your um, Sunday pages to sell for that? You're talking about. Um, yeah, I do have buttons. some of the
3: originals left. Uh, the, the stack has gotten smaller and smaller. Uh, and, you know, I didn't draw every one of them as a physical original. Um, my first bunch of pages were, Completely digital. Uh, and then that was partially because of having to do them fast mm-hmm. and get the strip back on schedule. And then because I knew there would be a market for the original art, I started, uh, you know, at least inking them on paper. I would do a uh, digital preliminary in my pencils, basically, and print that out in light blue on Bristol board. Excuse me. And then ink that by hand so that there was a, a hand-inked original. Uh, and then toward the end, as I was also doing Rex Morgan and time constraints became a, a serious problem, I switched back to digital again. So uh, my whole last you know, couple stories, there, there are no original pages. Uh, I think it's about halfway into the, uh, the, uh, the child army story. Yeah. Uh, there's no more original art after that. I do uh, have here. We'll do this. <laughs> this is the portfolio, pretty much of what's left. Uh, well, I'm going to make this full screen. Sort of see the the blue line printing under the uh, under the black inks there. Flip another here. I'm getting a lot of reflection there. Okay. okay. No, that's we get this. the idea. Uh, but that's what the originals look like. Yeah, oh, wow. and they are, you know, they are hand inked, the lettering and the borders and the blue line pencils are all digital and printed, but everything else is, uh, is, is hand drawn.
2: If, if it wasn't for time restraints and, and what have you, do you have a preferred medium to work in? Like either, all you know, all in real life, real life, all pencil ink or all, all digital.
3: Uh, at this point, uh, I have never drawn a Rex Morgan strip on paper, uh, well, that's not entirely true, but since I, I, I got to go back and explain that. <laughs> uh, since I was hired as the primary artist on this strip, I've never drawn it on paper. Uh, I, uh, you know, I started out uh, doing those digitally and it's been uh, five years or so or more and it's all digital. And a part of that is that, again, there's no collector's market for that strip. Uh, we've got a lot of dedicated readers all over the world but they're not collectors and very few of them would be interested in buying the original art and if i had drawn all those strips on paper you know i would have a room in my house just with them stacked to the ceiling Mm. uh and there's no point in that Uh, so there's just so much more that can be done with digital it makes the job so much easier so fast so much uh uh, so much quicker uh that i really do like working digitally Uh, now, I've got a thing coming up where I'm going to have to do some real world drawing, and I'm kind of nervous about it because I haven't drawn on paper for so long, except a few little doodles with my kids. Uh, but I, I think I need to do a little practice and get back up to speed and actually, uh, you know, drawing with pencil and pen.
2: Oh, uh, ah, cool. Um, the kind of lazy one, what, what I was going to say next, if um. Um, if you still accept, uh, or if you, if you ever had, um, do you accept commissions? I so would do the pencil and pen on for a commission.
3: I haven't uh, for, for quite some time. Um, I still owe several to some friends of mine, actually. I'm amazed they're still my friends, <laughs> uh, for trades that we did ages ago. And it's just severely embarrassing at this point that I haven't gotten those drawings done yet. But my drawing board isn't even set up. In my studio. I have a big desk in there where I work on my model kits and do other projects, but my drawing board is uh, deconstructed and sitting in pieces in my garage. Uh, So I haven't done, uh, you know, a real brush inked finished drawing on Bristol board in years. Hmm. Uh, So no, not taking on commissions. And part of that has to do with just not having the time. Doing uh, the Rex strip seven days a week. Uh, Well, it appears seven days a week, and I have to draw seven strips per week, Uh, takes up a full work week. And then I try to give my weekends to my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why, and we hadn't talked about this, but that's why I don't draw Phantom anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because trying to do Rex plus the Phantom Sunday, I was working seven days a week and long hours uh, because, again, the Phantom was more research heavy, more involved than than drawing the Rex strip. And I just, I did it for about two years and then just said, I can't, I can't, (laughs) I can't do it anymore. And as much as I hated to walk away from the Phantom because it's a great gig and it's a wonderful strip and I love doing it, I was drawing the Phantom Sunday, which paid X amount of money and then i was doing rex morgan sunday and daily which paid like 3x money because yeah. it's you know just that much more work and got kids to feed and mortgage to pay and i said well i have to stick with rex and wave goodbye to the phantom yes. and it it hurt but uh, you know i think if i'd tried to keep up that schedule, you might not be talking to me now. Mm. <laughs> you might be might be hosting a, a sad memorial uh, for the guy who worked himself into a well not so early, but early grave.
2: And, <laughs> well I'm glad we're not. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that was I think that was our next question we were gonna ask is 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 why you why you stepped aside. Was it a decision that you were tossing like you were going over for for a while and
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it wasn't easy. Uh, Like I said, you know, I worked for years and years in the business. And finally, here I am drawing one of the great, you know, adventure strips of all time. Uh, And to walk away from that was tough. Now, you know, the Rex Morgan strip, that was in the local newspapers when I was a kid and I ignored it. Because it was a soap opera. It was all about, you know, boring wealthy people, you know, like the like a senator has a tumor. Who cares? There's no there's no fist fights. There's, there's, <laughs> there's you know, there's no jet planes. Uh it just well, didn't to me. yeah, no. Uh but as you know, an adult, now that I can write it and draw it, uh yeah. you know, I'm getting to put my own stamp on it and to do a lot of different things with it. and uh, really kind had of had some fist fights. And <laughs> yeah, I still haven't had well, a couple of fist fights, <laughs> I think. Uh, not a lot, not not nearly as much as in the Phantom. There's no good Mark Rains or anything, uh, none of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, for me having the background I have to walk away from the classic adventure strip for a soap opera, uh, was a really tough call. Uh, but you know, like I said, a lot of reasons behind it, and uh. Frankly, I love doing recs, uh, and again, especially because I get to write it now. Uh, when I came on, I was working with another writer who uh, apparently had been talking about retiring for a while, and, and eventually between you know, him and the, the syndicate, they decided that uh, you know, it was time for, for him to walk away, and I convinced them to give me a shot at, at doing you know the 100% uh, mm. of the job, and uh, I ultimately couldn't be happier with, <laughs> with what I get to do. I get to you know, sit in my living room with a drawing tablet, an electronic drawing tablet and binge watch stuff on Netflix while, while, while I make up stories and have my kids walk in. And I say, can you stop a minute and pose for me? I'm <laughs> drawing, drawing kids in the strip uh, and, it, and it's in the newspapers and I get wonderful, appreciative letters from people. And emails from people who uh, have been touched by, you know, some story I've done that touches on an issue that's part of their lives. Uh, and, you know, that's that's really rewarding. It's just terrific. Mm. Then there's the people on the Comics Kingdom comment <laughs> section. But those are different people. Those are not yeah. fans. Yeah. Are just crabby yeah. people who want to complain about stuff. <laughs> They're the trolls they on the, the comment
2: section who won't take the time to actually email you and contact you and do things properly. <laughs>
3: I don't know who shows up every day to complain about a comic strip. What is, what is that about? It just seems very, very odd to me. I mean, (laughs) there are comic strips I love and I wouldn't show up every day to say, I love them. you know, I would once Mm. in the blue moon, I'd say, Hey, I love this strip. You're great. Keep it up. And then go on about my life like a normal human. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Literally there are people who post every single day complaining. Uh, uh, about the strips, and I
2: just,
3: I just think it's they found a place where they can complain about
2: something. Yeah, uh, they like they like living under their bridge and just poking their head out to make sure you know that they're still there. Um, for those yeah. of us who, who don't know the the Rex Morgan strip, um, and you, you're saying there's a daily and there's a Sunday. Is it the same as a fan? there's two separate stories, like there's a daily story and there's a Sunday story, or does the Sunday story continue on with the dailies?
3: No, it's the same continuity.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. So you know that was one nice thing about the phantom strip because there was different continuities you could have a different artist on the sunday strip than on the day
4: mm. uh
3: because we didn't have to coordinate uh it was it was fairly rare that i would uh you know early on maybe give paul ryan a phone call and say hey what's the who's what about this character do you have reference on you know on this location or something uh but uh you know for the most part we didn't even have to have to be in contact with each other the stories were, were so separate yeah, uh, but yeah no rex has had uh, that same daily strip sunday strip continuity uh from the beginning uh back when it started in, in 1948 so the strip is 10 years older than me
2: <laughs> did uh, you ever meet with um paul ryan at all like did you ever i know uh, i
3: had met it. paul prior to working on the phantom at comic book conventions uh, we've met a number of times over the years mm and had admired his work in, in comic books, you know. Uh, I don't think we actually saw each other at all once I, uh, I got the Phantom gig. Uh, and, you know, he was gone very soon, yeah. uh, which is just startling that that happened. Um, yeah. You know, the early years, my early years on the Phantom, I mean, I follow somebody who passes away, and then the guy doing the dailies passes away, and it was like, well, this is, ouch. Uh, you know, not not the greatest uh, track record here you know, for the early years of the strip. Uh but that's you know like I said that's the way it is with the story strips uh cartoonists are not forever but the comic strips are you know in some cases. Yeah. You know, phantom yeah. Phantom is on.
0: You know. Yes. Uh oh, there's that classic saying what is it um the phantom is dead long live the phantom. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah.
4: <clears throat>
0: um yeah, it, uh, I remember meeting uh, Paul Ryan as well. He was such a such a, a lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Oh, I do have one little story though about. Uh, yes, one of reasons. One time I called him, uh, uh, and was looking for reference for something, and I was reminded of this looking back at some of my my Facebook posts uh, earlier today. Uh, there was a scene that took place where Phantom, it was Phantom and Mandrake, and they were in front of the corral where where Heroes is, is kept. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds very specific. I better go look up reference for that. And I looked through years of Phantom strips. Years and years. And I finally found one panel of the corral. And it's Phantom standing here. Here's Hero. Here's some black lines indicating wooden posts and rails. That was the corral. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was it. Yeah, all right. I guess I didn't really need to go look that up, did I?
2: You pretty much had free rein to do what you wanted on that one. <laughs> yeah, pretty
3: much. And it was just, and it was really—it's cartoonish shorthand. I mean, cartooning is a simplified way of drawing. You draw things as simply as possible whenever possible, and that was as simple as could be. It was just. Wow, you know, well, that, that was worth the research.
0: I found the panel as well.
3: <laughs> uh, I found it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, this is this was my version. Yeah, um, <laughs> the uh, the the panel I found for reference was a lot like the uh, the panel where he's saying, "Devil, come on, fella, out of here." Mm. Uh, so I thought, yeah, okay, there's the that's the corral. Something
0: this like is. That. This is the uh, strip that I've that I purchased off to you.
3: <laughs> there you go, mandrake's head on a plate. Yeah. I don't see that every day.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh that that um, convention that you at. That was actually the first time I ever met uh, a fan and fan uh, Duncan Munro. I think he was one of your. I think he was your assistant for the day or something. Yeah, or?
3: yeah, he was. He was running really security. Funny. Was a great guy? A um, really terrific guy. Uh, you know, the conventions were really good about having people there to, to help me out. And uh, Duncan was extremely helpful, and also, uh, I think, took a lot of uh, my art home
0: with him. Yes. <laughs> yes, I remember there was this. There was this amazing page. Uh, it was in the Death Deathstalks, the fifth Phantom. I can't remember exactly, but it was this huge battle scene uh and it was like a fandom everywhere and i looked at it i went oh wow and then i just hear him go don't even even think about i've already brought it (laughs) (laughs) and it was just this sold like on every second page (laughs) every sold turn the page over sold
3: (laughs) you you know you get there first it's it's yours
0: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. um yeah no um has there been anything else? Um, oh, one thing I was going to say. Um, when we talked to uh, when I was when we were talking to Jeff Weigel, he was saying that uh, you were very integral in um, in the early days. In in I guess in as you passed the mantle over to him, mm-hmm. in um, uh, <coughs> the way that you were always there, or always a phone call away, or um, it was. Uh, I was just yeah, just wanting to that just reminded me of that and how. He said that, like, as he was getting himself reimmersed into the Phantom, that you were a very uh, constant.
3: Yeah, I gave him a lot of reference material, um, and you know, advised him a little bit about you know the early strips. I think he was a little, you know, hesitant about jumping in and uh, you know making it his own early on. And uh, you know, I helped him get some of the characters on model. That's one of the tough things is. You really almost have to draw a newspaper strip for a year before you're comfortable with getting the characters looking like they're really supposed to look. Hmm. It takes a while. Uh, But I had recommended uh, Jeff. He was on the short list, uh, about a a half a dozen artists. Uh, Editor, uh, again, uh, Brendan uh, Buford asked me to uh, recommend some people. And uh, he was on that list uh, with a few other guys I knew from the comic book business. So I thought would have been good choices. And, uh, uh, you know, Brendan, I think, immediately was attracted to to Jeff's work. And, uh, you know, I think he made an awfully good choice there. And I'm glad to have, to have passed it on. Uh, you know, if I can't draw it, at least, you know, <laughs> uh, a really talented, really good guy is doing it. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: No. And like I said, you know, uh, both Mike family and Paul Ryan uh, and uh, other Phantom fans uh, were very good about helping me out early on, and so I figured, you know, it's just you know, uh, par for the course for me to uh, to pass that on and and be helpful as well, you know, because I want the strip to look good, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now. Um... Yeah. I don't think we have any more questions. Uh, Is there anything that we might have missed or or any stories that um, you would like to share with us that, um, uh, you know, can I get
3: in? Can I get in some plugs? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Can we sell some stuff? So yes, uh, recent stuff that's available. uh, DC Comics has been reprinting uh, a lot of the Batman Adventures books uh, that I inked in uh, this graphic novel format for younger readers. This is the latest one. It's all Riddler stories, uh, all, all containing my work. Um, Yo Books did this terrific collection of uh, the Pete Marissi, uh Johnny Dynamite comics from the 1950s that Max Collins and I bought the rights to and reprinted them in the back of our Miss Tree comic. Uh, And then did new Johnny Dynamite stories as well. And this reprints one of our uh, Johnny Dynamite stories in addition to all the original uh, uh, stories from the 1950s from before I was born. (laughs) 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 But I was very pleased to be a part of getting this really cool Private Eye series reprinted in just a a gorgeous hardcover. Um, I can see it's uh, shot from the original comics, but cleaned up. Uh, which is, is how I'd love to see vintage comics reprinted. I think sometimes they go too far with recoloring and uh, trying to restore the artwork and basically end up almost redrawing everything. Uh, but this you know, gives you that nostalgic uh, sense of, of what the comics were really like. And then the other thing is that uh, Titan uh, and Hard Case Crime are reprinting uh, Ms. Tree, uh, the Private Eye series that, uh, that Max Collins and I did for uh, well over a decade uh in a series of uh, trade paperbacks. Uh this is the first one. Uh second one's out, third one we're uh getting the cover approved right now. Uh so, you know, there's I think going to be five or six total uh on those before we're done. Uh and of course, you know, some of my phantom stuff is being reprinted in uh, uh you know, various publications uh, around mm. the world, but uh that's all up to somebody else.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's been um in Regal uh pu- uh Publishers, which is an Indian publication at the moment that are just doing that have just um reprinted the Mandrake story, which we were talking about as well. So yeah, if you if you don't get a copy or or anything like that, let me know and I'll um I'll I'll ship one over for you.
3: We'll do. We'll do.
2: And so, where can people um, get those books? Uh, any any good bookstore, or the, do you have a comic, yeah I have a comic shop,
3: bookshop, bookstore uh online sellers? I, I prefer people go to their comic book shop or their, their yeah. local bookstore and order. But uh, you know, barring that, uh, if we really need to make the the multi millionaire, billionaire people <laughs> <laughs> wealthier, you can order online from the large <laughs> online ordering service, hmm. the name of which I won't mention. <laughs> I,
2: who I, mentioned them. <laughs> I was um I was actually in my comic book shop yesterday. I knew I didn't have anything to pick up, no fan stuff to pick up. Um but yeah, there was a, a book that I'm after. And um yeah, I could go online and, and do it, or I could ask the comic shop to go through that way and in in the end I still get the book, but who gets the help? You know, who gets the extra yeah. bit of cash? It's yeah. the brick and mortar guys who who are struggling a bit. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely.
3: Uh,
0: Do you have a website or or a blog or something like that as well?
3: I I have uh, an extremely outdated website (laughs) and a a even more outdated blog that I just haven't updated for literally years. Uh, So if if people want to find out what I'm up to, uh, the best bet is just to follow me on Facebook. Uh, If uh, you know, again, not to get political, but if they're going to be offended by my politics, which I post about quite a bit, because it's America and things have been a little crazy here <laughs> uh, and I, I can't ignore it um th- there's a Terry Baby artist page that is strictly uh just for my uh, my comics uh primarily the Rex Morgan strip but occasionally other stuff as well
0: awesome so that's
3: that's the best bet just just check out what I'm doing there
2: no, well you, don't try to friend
3: me, just follow me. I, oh, I don't friends. know if I've
2: just I think I just pushed the wrong button then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you were good <your> friend. Okay. <laughs> uh, um well, it's been great uh, talking with you, Terry. um you were saying earlier when you had um you know there was a bit of a, a period in between comics where you you know had a another life. Um kind of the same thing happened happened with me where um you know, I went and did other stuff, and then I remember being a news agent, and I was getting stuff for work. And I turned around, and there was a whole uh, row of, of Phantom comic of the Fruit. I thought, oh yes, picked them all up, and got straight back into collecting again. Got in touch with, every, you know, go onto Facebook and got into the collector groups, and and all that sort of stuff. It's been great, but that was around about the time when you were doing the Sunday strip. Um, so it's been great that um having this opportunity to, to talk with you being one of the people who you know, helped bring me back in, I guess. So I started start reading <laughs> well, the I
3: don't know if I should apologize. <laughs> no. <I'm- laughs> well, I apologize so I have to was I have to say this, because you reminded me about this, about Australia. I did stop in a comic book shop uh, in, it was in Perth. And also was at a number of other stores and bookstores. And just, you know, Phantom was everywhere. Mm. And it was such a thrill to, to see in, in a newsstand in a, uh, a grocery store or drugstore, and there's there's the Frew comics, and go into a comic book store, and there's a like a wall full of Phantom stuff. Mm. Uh, was at a used bookshop, and there was a big box full of Frew Phantom comics. There, uh, you know, it was just it was amazing to me to see how well received, and uh, just how I think the word is ubiquitous. Is that the word <laughs> the character is? It's just, it was everywhere. Uh, you don't see that in the U.S. No. Uh, you know, it's, he's barely in any newspapers here. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was, again, it was a real treat uh, nice. and you know, a great trip and uh, full of wonderful experiences. So yeah. one of these days. You know, <laughs> survive yeah, definitely. The, the, the yeah. plane ride again. We're,
2: we're, we're very lucky compared to some to some other countries. Um, we know we're not we we know the fans not as big as um you know Spider Man or Batman or anything, but yeah, you know, he does all right. You 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 see him around a fair bit around here, and um, I just I, one other little thing I wanted to say. But um, reading your your work in the Sunday strip, um, there's just this one image that when we mentioned your name and your work on the Sunday strip, the image of the Phantom in the um in the crosshairs. Um. In uh, I want to say the child's soldier story, but I could be wrong there. Jermaine will help me out. But yeah, I just thought, oh wow, I hadn't really seen, particularly on a Sunday strip and the way you know he did the we talked about the doing the, the big blocks and whatever, but the way you you were able to change it up and have it look like he's going down the scope and you know he's done for here until he can uh, you know of course find another way out. Um, it's just the image that comes into my mind every time we we talk we speak about your name.
3: I'll have to look it up because I frankly don't remember. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that sad? it's, it's one of those you know, niche you, things. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, I've been I've been drawing comics professionally since really
4: 1979.
3: Yeah. Uh, I forget about some of it. <laughs> I have to go back oh. and look at it some days and say, "Oh yeah, I did that. I guess didn't I?" <laughs> Somebody oh, I'm, on Facebook I'm... the other day posted a. Uh, it was like a public service announcement. Uh, from the 80s about AIDS and HIV uh, that was with Green Lantern and it was by Joe Staton and me and I would like totally forgotten I had ever inked that page or that that even existed and I'm like that looks like I drew that with Joe <laughs> and I did but you know thousands and thousands of pages literally uh, consider all the, the pages I inked for DC all the pages of mystery over 11 years, uh, five years of, of Phantom Dailies, and you know, you know, six know seven years of, of Rex Morgan Dailies and Sundays. It's a lot of drawing. Yeah. Nah. I just don't remember
2: nah, fair, nah, fair enough. Well, I'm hopeless on our podcast when, you know, it's just comics we've written the last month and I can't remember <laughs> the characters and stuff. that nice.
0: Yeah, so what, what, what we'll do is, um, if you're listening to it on the audio, we'll put up, these panels and 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 stuff that we've been talking about on the youtube version or the video version Mm -hmm. um so the panel that um steven's talking about we will find it and we'll include it which will cover our faces which will probably be um (laughs) uh something that better to
3: look at my art than me yeah Yeah. uh (laughs) don't say yourself sure (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Terry. I really enjoy. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you today. Spending the last um, uh, hour and a half, two hours, uh, chatting with you, um, learning about you, um, uh, reminiscing about your um, Australia trip, about your your work with the Phantom. Um, uh, it, it's been a great privilege of, of of mine, and one of the things that uh, myself, Stephen, and Dan really like, and that is um, getting to know the creators. Uh, a lot more. And so uh, thank you for myself. Um, Thank you for your time. Um, And I really enjoyed uh, what you did with, uh, with our comic, with our hero.
3: Well, thanks. I I appreciate it. And, you know, I always try to remember that uh, I wouldn't have a gig at all if it weren't for the readers and the fans, you know, you're the guys who make this possible Uh, because otherwise, you know, I'd be sitting at home drawing comics and I don't know who they'd be for. (laughs) And And nobody would want to pay me for that. Uh, but because, you know, we have, you know, with Phantom, a huge worldwide readership, Uh, you know, that's why the strip exists. Uh, Mm. You know, certainly, you know, it's it's the the artists and writers who produce it, but we'd be nowhere without the fans.
0: Yes. Thanks. Yeah, so thank you. Uh, Thank you, Terry. Um, uh, Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, You know, we did. (laughs) yeah we uh these two fans did um so you can find out more about us on our website which is chroniclechamber.com uh we have a website where we talk about all the all the latest uh news uh phantom related uh if you want to email us and get in touch with us you can do that at our email address which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com as we said before we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on youtube and we're on instagram as well you can uh, hit us up all on there um, probably by uh we'll also be having a email newsletter uh, where we will be talking about everything in the fandom world probably from and it'll be released probably once a month i'm assuming uh,
2: that's I'm, probably, I'm assuming once a month <laughs> yeah that's still if, really it anything, if, if it's anything more regular than that i'll, <laughs> I'll be surprised but it will probably be, you know, for those who came in later recap of the of the last month and there might be a better or you know next month you know yes. a bit of an idea of what's coming up
0: so, for those who don't like social media and like the stuff hitting in their email address or in their email account, this will be perfect for you. Um, so, uh, if this is your first time you listen to one of our podcasts, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, or our YouTube account, or if you have uh, apps like Podbean, Player FM, Castbox, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, on your Android device, you can find us all on there as well. Um, so, again. Uh, from myself, from this fan uh, Thank you for listening uh, Terry, thank you for joining us uh, And until next time, happy phantoming
2: Happy phantoming He
1: walked ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad He said, I'm mad I must eradicate Piracy, injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The The ghost who walks the phantom! Enemies beware, the phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom He finds you!